In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Raise your hand if you've ever volunteered for an organization. Okay, I was hoping Rick Barnes was here because then he could check on all the ones that don't have their hands raised. <laughs> He's the chair of the nominating committee. I bet most of you at one time or another have volunteered for a cause you believed in. Maybe you helped in the food pantry or maybe you volunteered to read at an elementary school in, the, in a class or maybe you've walked for cancer. We all have different causes we believe in and motivations for volunteering, but I have trouble grasping the motivation for some people's volunteer choices. For example, a few years ago, NASA advertised for volunteers for a study on how space flight affects healthy bodies. They recruited fit, healthy volunteers who matched the general physical profile of their astronauts. Then they asked these volunteers to spend 15 weeks in a hospital bed so they could measure how this bed rest position affects human fitness and functioning. 15 weeks in a hospital bed. Most of us would be ready to climb the walls after two days. That sounds so miserable to me. But studies like that are often a little weird, like this next one. A Swedish university recruited healthy volunteers to eat four cupcakes every day for six weeks for a study on the effects of fat on the human body. The volunteers weren't supposed to change anything else about their health and fitness routines or anything in their daily habits. Just eat four cupcakes a day for six weeks. Now, I know there's some folk out here that, you know, they go to the party and they say, will there be cake? <laughs> this might be one for you. But... One of the strangest volunteer opportunities I've ever heard about happened several years ago when an author by the name of Shelley Jackson asked for volunteers to help publish her latest short story. The story titled Skin was 2,095 words long. And according to the Associated Press, Jackson wanted to publish it by tattooing the story one word at a time on the skin of volunteers. Jackson tattooed the first word of the story on her own wrist. In a very short period of time, she had more than enough volunteers from all over the world who offered their bodies to this project. What an incredible idea. If you want to spread a story all over the world, then Tattoo the text, one word at a time, on the skin of willing strangers. At least you, if anything, you get the attention of the news media. When I stop and think about how, how a small group of volunteers spread the message and the mission of Jesus Christ 
from Jerusalem to the whole world, while facing down persecution and poverty and beatings and imprisonment and cultural differences and language differences, I am amazed. How was it possible? And where did it all begin? That's what our scripture lesson from Luke is all about this morning. Our our lesson begins with these words. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Notice what is happening here. Jesus has set his face resolutely on Jerusalem. Only he knows that he's heading toward his arrest, his torture, and his crucifixion. Only he knows that this will be the end of his earthly mission. It's time to pass the torch on to his followers, his disciples, so that they could carry his message and continue his mission. So he appointed 72 of them and sent them ahead to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. It reminds me of an old story about an army sergeant who came into the barracks one morning and asked if anyone in the squad knew shorthand. The men in his squad thought that just sounded great. Finally, a task involving no physical labor. Can you imagine? Just sitting and writing shorthand. And so all of them raised their hands. Yeah, I know shorthand. Good, said the sergeant. They're shorthanded in the mess hall. (laughs) In this passage, Jesus is saying, we're shorthanded in this mission. You don't get it yet, but I'm sending you out to the ends of the earth. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers to help you. The disciples don't realize it, but this is a critical moment in their journey with Jesus. This is the moment when Jesus' disciples officially become his apostles. This is important. In verse 1, where it says Jesus sent them out two by two, the verb used there, sent, is actually in Greek, apostel. He literally apostled them into the world. Think about the difference between a disciple and an apostle. A disciple is simply a, a student or a devoted follower of a teacher. Apostle, on the other hand, means sent out or a person sent. There's a significant difference. 
You need wisdom and humility to be a disciple. But you don't need power. You can be a disciple your whole life, but you're not an apostle until you go out and share the message and the ministry of Jesus to others. That's when you need power. You can be a disciple your whole life, but you're not an apostle until you go out and share the message and the ministry of Jesus with others. That's when you need the power. That's when you need the authority and the anointing of the spirit of of Jesus Christ. That's when you need the power to see and to love others with the same passionate, sacrificial love God has for them. That's when you need to, to see that you need the power to heal the sick and cast out the demons That's where you need the power to announce the kingdom of God to a disbelieving and hostile culture. That's when you need the power to stand up for truth and light in a world that embraces darkness and lies. If you sit in church each week and doubt the power of the Holy Spirit... If you sit in church each week and don't feel like you're being prepared for acts of mercy and justice and truth that are greater than you can accomplish on your own strength, if your worship and study isn't leading you to walk out of this church doors and look for someone who needs the good news of the kingdom of God, then you're still a disciple, not an apostle. And you won't receive the power and authority and the vision and the presence of the spirit of the living Christ inside of you. So, if you're ready to step into your calling as an apostle, there are three primary steps to the process that we can find in today's lesson. The first calling of the apostle is to pray. In our New Testament lesson for today, we read, Ask the Lord of the harvest to send send out workers into his harvest field. There are five different Greek words used for prayer in the New Testament. Each one has a slightly different meaning and portrays a different approach in our relationship to God. The word used here for ask the Lord of the harvest is the Greek word diome. It's used in the New Testament to refer to the act of begging or pleading. In Luke 5, 12, we read a man is covered with leprosy, falls on his face in front of Jesus and begs, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. In Luke 8, we read, a demon-possessed man begs Jesus not to torment him. After Jesus heals him, he begs Jesus to be allowed to follow him. In Luke 9, a father begs Jesus to heal his sick son. In these passages, the word used was diomai. If you have ever prayed from the heart 
of desperation or brokenness, then you understand the concept of diomai. And that's the kind of heart Jesus wants us to have when we pray for those who need to hear the message of Jesus. Jesus is saying, beg for them. Plead for them. Let your heart break for them. Love them enough to pray for them as desperately as a parent prays for their sick child. Because that kind of love and prayer will then motivate you to go. In 1905, E. Stanley Jones was a student at Asbury College in a, a, a Christian school in a small town by the name of Wilmore, Wilmore, Kentucky. He was planning to become a lawyer. Jones and three of his friends were praying together one evening when they experienced the Holy Spirit empowering their prayers. Within days, a spiritual revival broke out on the college's campus and it spread all through the small community of Wilmore. It was during the time of the revival that Jones experienced God calling him to the mission field. In 1907, he moved to India to minister to the untouchables, the lowest caste citizens there in that society. He respected the culture and traditions of the Indian people and didn't try to impose Western culture or practices on them. Soon his ministry also began to attract well-educated and influential Indian citizens who appreciated his ability to share his faith with intellectual uh, rigor and respect. He brought together people from different faiths to discuss their religious experiences. He was so influential at bringing people together in a spirit of understanding and mutual respect that he was invited to participate in political negotiations, not only in India, but in Africa and in Asia. Before his death in 1973, he had preached to thousands, thousands of people, served as a voice of conscience to world leaders, and had written 28 books with the royalties devoted to various church ministries. Once, while reflecting on the small prayer meeting that motivated him to become a world-changing missionary, Jones said, Be careful how you pray. You may be the answer. Be careful how you pray. You may be the answer. He's right. If we pray in the spirit of Deomai, begging the Lord to work in and through us, then he will answer us. And he and we and we will be that answer. The next calling of the apostle is the calling to go, offer peace and heal the sick. In verse 5 of this lesson, we read that when you enter a house, first say, peace on this house. Have you ever thought about 
how critical peace was to Jesus' ministry? There's a great story. I like this one. There's a great story of a medieval knight who returned to his castle one evening. He was bloody and beaten and just a mess. His armor was dented. His face was scarred. His horse was limping. The lord of the castle asked, What hath befallen you, sir knight? The knight said, Oh, sire, I have been laboring in your service, robbing and burning and pillaging your enemies to the west. What? cried the nobleman. But I don't have any enemies to the west. Oh, the knight paused. Finally, he said, Well, you do now. Jesus was very specific in telling his apostles to go in his spirit, a spirit of peace. Christians haven't always come in a spirit of peace. If we had, Christ's kingdom would have come on earth as it is in heaven. In verse 9, we also read, Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Healing and proclaiming the kingdom of God were also at the heart of Jesus' ministry. In his three years of ministry recorded in the Gospels, this is what Jesus' daily schedule looked like. He went out. He offered peace to all who would receive him. And he healed the sick. Read through the New Testament and compare how many times Jesus preached in the synagogues versus how many times Jesus taught, preached, and healed people in the marketplaces and in the fields and in their homes. We can't fulfill the calling of God in the comfort of the church. That's not what Jesus meant for us to do. I'm not saying that you need to start a stampede and head for the doors right now. I, uh, not yet. Wait till the closing hymn. Inside these doors, we grow. We grow as disciples. Outside these doors, we go as apostles. We've got work to do. But that work must be done in the spirit of the Lord Jesus. So our first calling as apostles is to pray. Our next calling is to go, offer peace, and heal the sick. And our final and most important calling as apostles is to announce the coming of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the world as it will be when God rules over all the world. It will be the kingdom of justice and fullness of peace. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, let your kingdom come, let your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, this is what he was referring to. The birth of Jesus served as the starter's pistol that announced creation's race toward the fully realized kingdom of God 
when Jesus returns as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Until that day, we are called to announce the kingdom of God with our words and even more so with our lives. As apostles, part of our deomai prayer should be to ask God to show us how we can contribute to the causes of peace, justice, mercy, and righteousness in our community and in our world. You may remember the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as he contemplated his death just two months before his assassination. He said, every now and then I think about my own death and I think about my my own funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell them not to talk too long. I like that coming from a preacher. Should take, I guess I should probably take his advice. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. I'd like for somebody to say that that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for somebody to say that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. Say that I was a a, a drum major for justice, for peace, for righteousness. I just want to leave a committed life behind. Jesus told his apostles, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You are here today in these church walls because someone prayed this prayer and someone responded to this prayer. You are here today because 72 believers prayed and went and offered peace and healing and announced the coming of the kingdom of God. And their message and their ministry, empowered by the spirit and the authority of Jesus Christ, spread to every continent on the earth. But brothers and sisters, the work isn't done. Jesus calls you, me, to be his apostle, for us to go. I hope that when you walk out of these church doors this morning, you will take your part in the greatest mission and message in the history of the world, to announce the coming of the kingdom of God until the day Jesus returns to make it so. Let us pray. God of all nations and peoples, your son commanded his disciples to preach and heal throughout the world. Grant us by the power of the Holy Spirit the zeal to proclaim the good news of peace and justice and gather all humanity into life with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.